Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Piki mai kake mai and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ with me, Alison Balance. Kurt McManus is a forensic investigator at ESR, the Institute of Environmental Science and Research. Since 2012, ESR has laser-scanned more than 200 crime scenes and I catch up with Kurt to find out what this involves and how it can help the police and juries in a trial. This is a laser scanner. It's a machine that we've been using for about six years at crime scenes. Essentially what it does is it it records the crime scene in 3D. Instead of the old days where the officers used to get out there, take measures and and measure everything, because obviously distances are quite important when it comes to court. This thing can do that for them and At any stage, we can go back later on and go to anywhere on the crime scene that we've scanned and we can make those measurements. And Yeah, so I'm just getting it out to show you how it it runs. Great, so you've got your scanner sitting on a tripod. Yep, I'll turn this on. So a lot of the the crime scenes we go to are in houses, so each each room that they want to include in the the mapping, we we have to put this in the centre of the room. It usually takes about four minutes or so and fires a laser out takes a big photograph, 360-degree photograph, um, colours it, all that sort of thing, makes it nice and visual for us. And then we have to move it around the scene so that the laser can actually see everything. So we only can hit one side of a maybe a couch, so we need to put it on the other side of the couch to get the rest of it, just to complete the picture. But, yeah, we can sometimes it can be sort of 50 scans, so it can take quite a while. Um, or it might just be a really small scene and it might only be a couple. But as you say, it's doing entire rooms, entire buildings. Yeah, it's, uh, the laser in it can actually fire out to about 70 metres, so it can go a long way. But we need to cover the whole scene. It's a lengthy process, but it's a really good process. It's important to capture a crime scene as it was when we arrived. So, so you've got to do this pretty early on in the process. Yeah, yep. as soon as we get to the crime scene, um, we, we'll talk to police, um, we'll take what information we need to, we'll put on the appropriate equipment, a police photographer will go through and take their photographs to record the scene, and then basically we'll go through and do this laser scanning. Because it's basically creating a 3D version of the scene, we can go back and we can stand in a position and we can look, see what perhaps a witness might have seen from that position or we can do advanced techniques like 3D trajectory analysis. So what we do with that is one of our firearms scientists, they'll use trajectory rods, which they've used for many, many years, but we have adapted these. You can put these little small spheres on it. They're just polystyrene. They just slip over the rod. And what we can do then is we laser scan that and we take the data into software and we use the software to basically determine a point in space for where that rod is pointing. 
at one end of the rod and then at the other, and we can draw a line. So it basically shows where the bullets travelled through that crime scene or through that wall or whatever. Okay, so it's just a better way of visualising that. Yeah, it's a better way. You can go into court, you can show a jury a whole crime scene in 3D, and then you can have all the trajectories and you can turn them on and turn them off and say these are where the shots possibly came from and, yeah, who they might have been fired by and stuff like that. So, yeah, so this is the scanner. It's, it's turned on now. We have a bunch of settings that we can choose depending on sort of how much detail we need and stuff like that. And then we just press play. And what it's going to do is it's just going to spin around and it's going to fire the laser out. And it can, it can fire a laser out approximately up to about a million points a second so it can collect a lot of data. Um, it's safe, so we're all right to look at it. We're not going to get any, any dangerous sort of lasers um, in the eye. So this is what it's doing at the moment. We're standing here, so we're going to be included in this particular scan. Normally you'd remove yourself from the yes, room? Yes, yes. I mean, ideally, we, no one's in the room, and so we'll, we'll do our best to try and keep people out of it. Um, but, yeah, we will be, we'll, we'll be included in this data, so I'll be able to sort of take us out, which is good. So now it's just going to turn around, and it's going to start taking photographs, and that's quite quick too. And those photographs are then going to be taken in, and that's the colour from those is what it's, what it's going to colour those that data point with. So what does it look like? What does it look like? Well, I'll show you. Moving so, to the computer? There's a number of different things that we can produce. Police might need a measurement from somewhere, so we'll go and take a measurement and we'll just give them, a, give them an image of that measurement. So that's, that's quite basic. There's a number of different applications that then we, we can then produce, something they can run in court or something that they might just want to use back at, at the station. Um, so one of these we call a, a scene-to-go, and it allows us to move to those positions that we had the scanner. So where it is at the moment on the other side of this desk here, we could go to that position and look at look at the data that was collected from there. So here you've got a, a map. You can look straight down on the crime scene, um, and we have the positions and the numbers where those scans were taken. I can click on those, and then I can click on a photograph, and I can look around the 360-degree photograph just to see what was what was at that position. But what I can do is it's not just a photograph. Because we're collecting data, there's actually three-dimensional data behind that. So then I can go and make a measurement. And these things are incredibly accurate. They're, they're survey-grade scanners. So at 10 metres from the scanner, you can have an error about three millimetres. So it's, it's incredibly accurate and obviously far more accurate than somebody taking a tape measure and trying to, trying to measure that. So I'm just going to do a really quick uh, measurement here from this point down to this car and it's just given me the measurement there of 2.8 metres. Very precise, very quick. Yeah, and because it's captured the whole scene, you don't know the information at the time. Something else might be required or you've got new information where you need to measure. So unless you're going to go and measure absolutely everything in a crime scene, this is obviously a lot, a lot more efficient. We can then go and we have a little button here called 3D. Um, and we can look at the 3D data. So this is the this is what it did in the first point where it was running, spinning around, c- capturing the data with the laser. And I can just make sure that I've clicked the exact point that I want there in 3D space. So we can move from what we call node to node, which is basically from position to position that the scanner was, and we can walk through the crime scene effectively. Now the only thing with this this application here is we are restricted to sort of one position or the position of the scanner. Um, so there are other applications that we can produce um, that have sort of come along with updates and technology over the last six years. 
um, and one of these here we, we call a, a 3D scene viewer. So I'm just going to launch that. This is displaying the whole point cloud now. I can move around in that position at any point and fly through the scene. So we should say that this scene is, is outside, you've got a building in it. Yeah, this is actually our crime scene house, um, our training house that we have at ESR. It was set up to sort of mimic a crime scene and sort of... And some mimic of the, the complexity of, of yeah. a crime scene. Um, so we've got a table knocked over here, some numbers in there which we'll put down for exhibits that we might find, drink bottles and stuff like that that have been used. Standing on the floor down here in the bedroom, this will be animal blood that we've used for training, and we've got a couple of shoe prints moving away. So that sort of mimics what we see at crime scenes. So the laser scanners basically captured all of that. We can see the stain on the floor, um, and I've embedded some results here. So it's just a link that I've embedded into the data, and that'll bring up a DNA profile. So if this was presented at court, we could say we come into the bedroom here, we've got a blood stain on the floor, the jury see where the blood stain is, and then we can click on a link and it'll bring up the, the scientist diagram of that blood staining and their interpretation. And I'll just jump into a base and luminal result. So you might have heard of luminol before, but we use... You better explain it to me. <laughs> so we use luminol. Um, it's a chemical that we use to detect low levels of blood surfaces being a clean-up or something like that, or if we're trying to follow a trail that somebody's walked through a bit of blood and just... We can't see it with a naked eye, so um, we, we use a chemical that we spray at night. And we have the photographer set up, and we basically spray it, and they capture the chemiluminescence that comes off it. And in here we have a basin with a photograph attached to it. So the same with the result that I had before. I've got the photograph that was taken from that basin so you can see the luminal result. What other tools have you got at your disposal? So we do. We do actually have a lot of other tools. Over the past sort of few years we've, we've been doing some work with a process called photogrammetry. We can now put in hundreds and hundreds of photographs and these software programs can actually turn the pixels in each of those photographs into three-dimensional data. So like a laser scanner is actually picking up a point in space with a laser, the software is, is using the position of those pixels and the movement of the camera that's taking those photographs to create a 3D version of, of the scene that it's, it's basically taking photographs of. Um, so one area that we, we identified a few years ago that would be really helpful is, is large outdoor crime scenes. So currently with a laser scanner, a big scene outdoors could be four or five hours work, maybe even longer, maybe days work. So there is a potential there that if you could take a new technology like drones, um, they take photographs, if you could put a drone up and fly it over that area in a particular manner and put it into one of these software programs, can it create a 3D model that would be sort of of high enough quality for us to use with the laser scan data and fill in that data basically instead of going and laser scanning it. And this is? This is an example, yep. So what I've done here is I've actually, again, just created a mock scene down here at our, in one of our car parks, put two cars next to each other as if they've almost had a, a crash, and we've got a few items out the back of a car and a, a, we've got a fake body on the ground there. And this was to test how good the data would be if I could detect small things on the ground. And then I've just created a, a video basically flying through this data. So that's video, but it's just made from your still photos? Yeah, it's video and it's made from still photos. And I think sometimes 
you'd think, well, then why don't you just fly the drone because that create, captures video. But if we capture the scene in 3D, like I mentioned earlier, you can go back to any part of that scene and you can perhaps create a fly-through from a different angle or, or look at something from a different angle. It's, it's not fixed. So unless you're going to fly every single, every single angle in that, uh, in that scene with a drone, it's great for an overall visual sense, drones, but we can go a step further because drones have GPS. The software can use that and it can scale the data, so it's actually scaling it to the real world. Slightly less accurate than our laser scanner, but still pretty impressively accurate. This would really lend itself to virtual reality as well. Yeah, so we've been doing quite a bit on VR as well over the last uh, short while. Forensics is the perfect industry for it because we're capturing these scenes in 3D. There is a lot of potential there for if if you can put someone back into the crime scene and actually stand in that position, not only for investigators like ourselves or police to, to jog their memory or look at something or just get a better sense of that crime scene, but potentially one day we could be seeing its use in court where instead of having a scene visit that they sometimes do with jury members or take them out to the crime scene, obviously that is years later, so the crime scene isn't as it was. It could be entirely different. So there is a potential that if we get around a few logistical issues at the moment with the technology of it's all being attached to cords and computers and trying to put sort of 20 people into a headset at one time. But as soon as that sort of logistical problems are ironed out, over the next few years the technology is going to improve, we might see it. We might see this sort of stuff used in, in courtrooms. And we've got the data. We have, we have all of the, the information that we can put into, the, into these VR headsets. All they're really doing from a technology point of view is projecting the data that we have on screen into eyepieces, into screens in front of your eyes and allowing you to sort of move around using tracking and stuff like that. So it's, it's quite a basic conversion from the data that we have to VR. But it's, it's not only for, for court and stuff like that, training, it's going to be uh, really beneficial. I can see a big advantage being you've got the detectives who might work on a crime scene at the time, mm. but somebody else coming in down the track can put themselves back in that crime scene and walk themselves through it, just like those original detectives did, but yeah. in, in the virtual reality world. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they can, they can look at the notes that might have been taken at the time, and they can, they can learn from those scenes and how different every crime scene is. We know that it's still got a wee way to go, the technology, and I think a lot of industries know that, but they also know that the potential is massive. Thanks, Kurt. That's Kurt McManus, a forensic investigator at ESR. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first aired on the 2nd of May 2019. To listen again or check out photos, just head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. We are a free podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, etc. You'll also find my other podcasts there too, the Kakapo Files is following along with the record-breaking Kakapo breeding season. The chicks are all hatched, and the oldest are starting to leave home. The chemistry podcast Elemental, celebrating 150 years of the periodic table of elements, is up to elements starting with the letter C. And the chlorine episode includes the case of the New Zealand farmer with the exploding trousers. You can find both these series on the podcast page at rnz.co.nz and I'm posting all of them on the Our Changing World webpage as well. 
RNZ has some new podcasts that have just started that are well worth checking out. The Detail is a daily podcast helping New Zealanders make sense of the news, while Sportsman of the Year is a story of life, perseverance and music with award-winning Kiwi singer and songwriter Jan Hellriegel. Stay in touch with us. We're on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Bye for now. Ki mai.